Welcome to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Magic Valley Bible Church has been serving the Magic Valley for 20 years and is located at the corner of Gooding and Main Street in downtown Twin Falls, Idaho. Our service starts at 9 a.m. and is streamed live on our YouTube channel. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible. Magic Valley Bible Church, built on God's Word. Please take your Bibles and open to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Before I go any further, I do want to make note that uh, not only is this individual a blessing to our body, but an extreme blessing to me, and want to uh, recognize the fact that he has endured a year with our church and especially with me. But Nate, congratulations on being here over a year. <clears throat> He's back there working Tiffany. Thank you for loving on us. Tiffany, I'm, lo- I'm talking to you. Thank you for loving on us. So. <laughs> you notice the title of today's sermon is Embracing and Tackling Mental Health Part 3. Your pastor has slowly gone through a text of scripture that to help us understand how to put truth to action when it comes to mental health issues. Let me begin by reading our passage, and, and yes, this will be the last message. All right. It's kind of interesting. We check that every time we start, and it said that we had three three lines, but sometimes batteries don't tell the truth. But let me begin by reading our scriptures, starting in verse 1 of Philippians 4. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Judea, and I urge Sikati, to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement, also with the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehensions, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence And if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. 
the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let us pray. Father, again, we, we thank you for your word. Not only is it the absolute truth, it is the only truth in which you have inspired, has given to us your creation. With it, we understand truth, how you made the earth, how you made us. I mean, there's so many truth claims, realities that you've given us. We marvel at this redemption that you've given us in Christ. We, we understand that it's just much more than, however, than to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. There is a life that follows. And in the midst of that life, this world and its problems, they flood into our souls. Sometimes we find ourselves sinking, drowning in the midst of despair, wanting the the full abundant life that you have given us, but yet find ourselves stuck in the mud. And so we thank you for your word and how it helps us to think through these, how to navigate life in the midst of distressing times. So, Father, we thank you for the Apostle Paul and your inspiration in his life to be able to pin these words for us. May we grab a hold of them as far as they are our sure footing. Be with your servant, we pray. Amen. As you well know, we have been dealing with this special series on mental health. You and I both know that though we are saved by Christ, we still deal with the flesh. And what ails it? If anything, I I pray that this has been an opportunity for us to kind of put the the issue on the table so that we can engage one another in the midst of, of loving each other. You and I both know that once we were saved, we're not saved in a vacuum. We're not immune to this world's problems. We still have to deal with our flesh. And such is the case with mental illnesses. As you well know, if you've been following this series, it is a silent plague that infiltrates the church, and it is not a respecter of persons. I think we'd be surprised to find out if we had the time to sit, and I appreciate the fact that many of you are coming and sharing some of the things that you are going through because it helps your shepherd. But I think we'd all be surprised to find out if we had time to sit and listen to each other, how many of us have dealt with mental health issues, such issues as depression, suicidal thoughts, deep sadness, and the such. And especially in light of the heaviness of this world that presses in on us from every social media avenue, we deal with our thoughts on a constant basis. And for some, may it be just a, a season, but for others, it's a constant battle to get our mind and our hearts aligned to truth. The battle was real. It is ever-present in the mind and the heart of individuals. And often it leads to dark places 
And so the question that the Christian cries out for is, how do we deal with this? How do we navigate in such a way as to, as to honor God with our life and, and with our thoughts and with our minds? And, and the joy of our passage is that the Apostle Paul, who has experienced great adversity, who was challenged with, is this truly what, what God you called me to do? Who, who has dealt with being kicked out of cities, who has, has dealt with all kinds of things. He allows us to, to lean into his life so as to grasp how to deal with our thoughts and minds. And he comes up with these affirmations, these exhortations, these, these, these truths that, that help us when applied... Start getting us out of the hole. Now, I must say this, that for those who are stuck in depression, suicidal thoughts, whatever the case may be, you've got to understand, that's not where they want to be. And the exhortation that you've heard from me over the weeks is, is that the body of Christ comes alongside those who are struggling and their willingness and your willingness is to carry a burden. To lift, to ease the pain, to right the ship, to think rightly about God and his truth in the situation that is at hand. The common denominator in the midst of mental illness is that often the reality is not really reality. And truth gets muddied in the midst of, of life. But you must understand this, that is their reality. That is what they live in. And so these issues, they come at us from all fronts. Realizing that it affects even the people that sit by us. And so Paul has given this, these affirmations, and, and as you saw last time we were here, a couple weeks ago when I was here, we, we talked about having a heart check, a boot check time, right? Going places where maybe we seem, at least as a society and as a church, that, that we put up walls. But the call for the body is to carry one another's burdens, to lift others' load. And I pray that some of you are doing that and seeing and awakening your own soul as to, as to reach out to others who are struggling. I pray that your dinner tables, your lunch tables, are, 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 are wrought with, with conversations about what are we thinking, how, what are, how are we responding. And I say that because you understand, beloved, the reality is, is that things are not going to get better in this life. The reality is, according to the Scriptures, that things will continue to get worse and like I say, that's not to discourage you. That's just the reality of it. It is the backdrop, and that backdrop, the, the fact that the world is going to continue to, to go its sinful way, that the Lord Jesus will show up again. And he will establish a kingdom, and he will deal with evil and bring ultimate judgment. I say that just to remind you that your minds will be battle-tested and we must find resolve in our walk in Christ to help us through all this. And so with that understanding, the Apostle Paul has given us some, some added ammunition to battle our thoughts, to get them aligned, to right the ship. 
And so in our passage this morning, Paul gives us seven affirmations, and we've been going through these. Seven affirmations on how to tackle and deal with mental health. Paul found, and this is a a simple answer, but yet a profound one as we unpacked it, but Paul found that Christ was and is sufficient. That is the overarching truth that is foundational to understanding as we tackle these issues in our life. Christ is sufficient. And because Christ is sufficient for every need that we all have, for Paul's sake, he learned to lean, trust, and be content in Christ. Now, a lot of that's found in his character, his attributes, the fact of who he is. But you must understand that Paul found victory in Christ. And may I simply say this, that's where our victory is too. People with mental illness, they get it. They understand that answer. They understand that's where they want to be, but yet they wake each morning, and often their thoughts overcome that reality of truth. The problem is that they are stuck and need help to get where they are spiritually healthy. And that's where we come alongside them. That's where we help them. That's why we carry the burden. And so let me just say this. We are not to belittle them. We are not to look down upon them because they haven't got, after one counseling session, it right. And so we carry the load. We show compassion and great care and time to continue to lead them to Christ and lead them and show them the sufficiency of Christ. And for some, we've got to carry them to Christ. And so what we have here are are seven affirmations that Paul has learned and gives us according to the word of God. The first four we've already seen, and I won't labor those points because all that truth is in the first two sermons and you can get those online. But let you remind you just what they were, right? They're there in your, your bulletin. The first one is to stand firm in the Lord. You understand that that is foundational, that's important. Our existence being saved and redeemed, we are in Christ Jesus. And the reality of that is the imperative is to call us to stand firm in the Lord. We don't move from that truth. We live in Christ. We are in Christ. And the exhortation is to remind us that we stand in Christ. The second affirmation was to stand firm in unity. We saw that in verses 2 and 3. If there's any unstable way in the midst of life is to have disunity amongst the brothers and the sisters. And Paul understands that. And and so he was so concerned about two ladies who were bickering that he calls a a fellow companion to go after it and help them get it right. Why? Because the sake of the gospel was at hand. Thirdly, we saw that we were called to stand firm in joy. And this one kind of seems kind of odd in the midst of great hurt and trial and, and, and mental ill. But look what he says. He says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I love the prepositions in scriptures. If the call was just to rejoice in the circumstances that you find yourself in, 
we would be deflated real quickly. But the call is to be rejoiced in the Lord. Your, your mind, your heart, your, you, you race to the fact of knowing that even though you struggle maybe with what's going on in this life, you know that the Lord is sovereignly in control of all things and that he never leaves nor forsakes you. He repeats again, I will say rejoice. And what we learned from that truth was the whole issue that, that circumstances don't control our rejoicing in Christ. Fourth, we saw stand firm in gentleness that we would respond to this world with a gentle heart. Why? Because the Lord is near. I love what he says at the end of that. The Lord is near, verse 5. A great reminder, especially with those who are, are trapped with their thoughts spinning out of control, trying, to, trying to find something stable. They need to hear from us and be reminded of the fact that the Lord is near. All those, like I said, are preached in the last two sermons. This morning, I want to pick up the last three. And the fifth point, or fifth affirmation, imperatives that he gives us here that kind of just direct our, our living and our life is to stand firm in peace. And this is so rich. Look at verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehensions, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Just as Paul delivers the truth that the Lord is near, that he will never leave nor forsake you, he says, there's no need for you to be anxious, to be worrisome. And we can, that's synonymous with that word anxious, being worry. This command, this prohibitive, this whole idea of be anxious for nothing is in the present tense, which means that we constantly live with the reality oppressing our minds and our hearts of not living with anxious thoughts. I never forget my mom. I mean, I love my mom, but I never forget a little thing that she had. It literally, I don't know if any of you have had, I don't know if it was a day and age of what was going on, but she had this little case with this green little monster that was kind of warded, but it was her worry wart. And it was something that she had displayed and something that she would look at, and, and she, would, she would knock that thing around a little bit, and, and it was just kind of a weird thing, That's kind of weird, right? But it, I think it exemplifies a little bit about our lives, we find ourselves easily falling into the trap of worrying, don't we? And I think part of it is, is that because sometimes we think the Lord hasn't consulted us about what's going on in the world. And so we, 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 we even pray with worrisome thoughts on our mind and say, Lord, don't you see this? Don't you understand this? We, we do things in such a way that anxious thoughts seem to control us. And Paul clearly understands that that is fruitless. He says, don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. I think you and I both know that it's easy to slip into the woes and the worries of life. 
where we simply stated, says that God has lost his sovereignty. Get this, beloved. Our anxiety blocks the surety of God. Our anxiety eclipses the sovereignty of God and blinds it from our minds. If anything, worry strangles us with our own problems and makes our problems king and not the Lord. Are you following me here? Worry strangles us from our own problems and makes our problems king and not the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And with it, it brings a whole slew of not only spiritual problems, but physical problems. You think about what worry does. It often brings headaches, stress. How about overeating? How about loss of appetite? I mean, you think about the list and the physical tied aspect of what it Worry does to a person, anxiety. I mean, there's studies all over the page on how unhealthy it is to worry. And Paul reminds us not to worry, to put it off, knowing that the Lord is near, knowing that he is in control. Can I just be frank with you? Choosing to worry is sin. You understand that? Choosing worry is a choice, and it leads us to sinful actions. Just as you choose not to worry, we often choose to worry. I mean, you remember the encounter of of Mary and Martha and Jesus, right? That's recorded for us. It's been studied. It's helpful for us to think about it too often. I think even us as men, we think that's just a women thing there going on. There's some valuable truth coming out of the scriptures there. But look at the screen, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, and I want to walk you through this. How can I make such a a bold statement that, that we choose to worry or choose not to worry? And in turn, worrying is sin. We draw this from Luke's passage and Jesus' interaction with these two ladies. He says, now as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. I mean, you think about what's going on. You have the Lord Jesus Christ in your home. If he was to show up, knock on your door, I'm pretty sure all of us would be scrambling, right? We'd all be desiring to get things right and put in order and, and all these kind of things. And so some idea, we, we can identify with, with Martha here. And so I think the question is valid. Jesus and disciples come. They're desiring to serve them in, in, in a way. She needs the help. She's distracted by all these preparations. Distracted by those things. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care? And then Jesus responds. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. I think that's part of a compassion of our Lord. He's trying to drive to the heart. She's trying to, to cut through all her what's on her mind. And he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. 
but only one thing is necessary. And look to the screen what follows here. For Mary has, what does it say? Chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, we know what Mary was doing. She was worshiping the presence of Christ in the home. Uh, She really didn't care what was the mess of the house. She was so fixed on Christ that, that she had chosen that that was far more valuable than making sure that all the dust bunnies were gone. I mean, when you look at this, this truth scene, this, this issue, this interaction of Jesus with these two ladies, Jesus points out that Martha has chosen to worry and Mary has chosen not to. That's at the heart of it. And as you pull that away from that text, you, you start thinking about some things. Worry comes after your joy. Martha was doing things out of duty and Mary was doing things out of delight. And you and I both know what what sin desires to do. It desires to master you. I love what the great preacher of old, Haddon Robinson, said. He said a, a pithy little statement here, and I want you to listen to it. He's quoted as saying, I quote, What worries you masters you. End quote. What worries you masters you. And Jesus, who created us and knows us, that, that worry is a stumbling block in our walk with the Lord. He, he, he addresses this whole issue of worry, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, when you think about the longest sermon that's recorded for us, for us to understand. And at the heart of all this, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this. He says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried. I mean, a clear exhortation that Paul has picked up on that he, he knows that his Lord has, has called him to do. Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you being worried can add a single hour to this life or to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow and is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Again, do not worry. Then saying, what will we eat or what we will drink or what we will wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And then he gives this exhortation, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That parallels with the action that Mary was doing with Christ. He was seeking, delighting in Christ. He finishes that by saying, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Three times on the Sermon on the Mount, in that passage, he exhorts us, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. 
So why do we worry? I think it's because we choose to. We allow that to creep into our souls. And you and I both know if there's three prohibitions and a call from our Lord to not to worry, then to worry is what? Is not doing what is godly, which in turn means that it is sin. It is sin. And so what we need to do is we need to cut off its head. And too often what I've found, people understand that truth, but they find themselves gravitated towards the whole issue of worry. And we need to help them understand the stability and the stableness of God that he's got all this in control. We don't, maybe don't have all the answers. We don't maybe don't understand all the situations. But what we do know is that there's a God over all those things. And we are going to instead not worry. We're going to trust him. And you and I both know when we start to think rightly, we start to live rightly. However, when we start to think wrongly, we live wrongly. And if worry overcomes us, worry will come out of our lives. Life will be spinning out of control. The stability that the Christian has is in Christ, knowing that he is sovereign and in control of all things. He knows our situations. That's what he tells on the Sermon on the Mount. He knows that you need these things. So guess what? He will give you those things. What do I mean by that? Your needs. Context says clothing, food. All those things he will provide for you. And so the exhortation is clear. Don't worry. And that's simple. But in its place, what are we to do? And this is going back to Philippians 4, 6. The word of God doesn't leave us hanging here. It gives us the answer. Be anxious for nothing. But then Paul says, this is what you are to be engaged in. But in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. He says prayer is the opposite of worry. And you and I both know what prayer does. Prayer aligns our hearts with the living God and his word and is with his will, and we trust him. Have you found, and I have found this to be true, not only in my own life but in others' life, that when life gets so chaotic that when we stop and we pray, the heart settles. Especially for the Christian, he settles on the fact that, yes, I need to remind myself that God is in control. Yes, I can look at all the things that are spinning out of control in my life and and look at all those situations, but yet when I pray, I'm reminded that he's sovereign. Notice there's no exceptions to our prayer. Paul says in everything. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I don't like that. Paul, I want to worry just a little bit, right? I want to hang on to something, but this is what he's telling us in everything by prayer. Supplication has the idea of interceding for others, especially if you have worrying about somebody else and who they are and what they're doing maybe, you know, praying for them, interceding for them will calm your heart. We either pray and have a habit Praying in everything. To begin by praising God for the fact that in their situation as it is, we trust the mighty God. And as you continue to lift these things, these concerns, this issue, this life, what's spinning out of control, you continue to throw a 1 Peter 5, 7 thing where you cast all your Fear, your anxiety to him because he cares for you. When you start doing that, you start beginning to lean on him. 
you begin to stand firm in the stability of what is right and what is true. I mean, I get it. I get it when the mind starts spinning and life doesn't seem right and, and it just starts to speculate and continues and continues and you almost need that grappling hook to come and just rip you out of that. Prayer begins to rip you out of that false reality to bring you in line with what is true, what is right, and we think on those things. Requests. I mean, we think about specific things. He's saying to be general, but also be specific. Let your requests be made known to God. Prayer orients our lives towards God. I mean, you and I both know that that we function in the realm of prayer. It is said of the Christian that, that just as breathing oxygen functions and gives life to this physical body, prayer in the Christian life gives us spiritual life. Simply put, Paul tells us that prayer squashes out the sin of worry, and that's where we need to go. And sometimes we just need to stop and pray. But it leads more to this, and this is what's so awesome. I mean, he doesn't just stop there. He gives us the antidote of, of, of how to deal with an anxious heart, a worrisome heart. But look what he says in verse 7. In the peace of God, when you're engaged in prayer in the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, you talk about some tendering words from a great shepherd. Paul draws us to, to look at Christ and what happens as he gives you peace that passes all understanding. A peace that lets you walk with assurance. A peace that passes all human comprehension. And get this, when you pray to the only one who is Lord over your situation, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. And when it comes to mental health, that's what you got to guard. you got to guard what you're thinking and, and, and what you're feeling, and it needs to be aligned with truth. It is said a prayerful pe- people is a peaceful people. A prayerful people is a peaceful people. And prayer leads us to that peace. Or another way to say it, in life, in life situations, if you lack peace in the midst of living life, the first place that you need to go to is is ask yourself, how am I doing in prayer? Am I engaged in prayer? Is it even on the radar? Why? Because prayer and peace go hand in hand. So the affirmation is clear. Stand firm in God's peace. We do that through prayer. Now, there's a six, and we'll move quickly through these last two. Six is to stand firm in the knowledge. Stand firm in the knowledge. Look at verse 8 with me. He says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good of repute, if there's any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Those last words, dwell on these things, literally means you live there. You live in the truth. You live in these these eight virtues that he gives you. We live in these things. We live with whatever is true. And you and I both know that the only truth that we have in this world is the word of God. In light of that, we whatever is honorable, whatever is righteous, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is good repute, if any excellence, if any praiseworthy things, that's what we think about. I think that Paul's exhortation that we are to, to, to cling to that which is good, abhor that which is evil, but cling, literally hold on to that which is righteous and that which is true, knowing that is what is eternal. I mean, that steers our way. That helps us think through what is right and what is reality. To live in these things, to dwell in these things. And you know, both of that's often tied as much as peace is tied to prayer. Listen, reading your scripture is tied to your understanding of what it means to stand firm in the Lord, stand firm in his knowledge. So what Paul is saying is that we are to put the truth of God's word in between our minds and the issues at hand. You understand what I'm saying there? We have this mental illness. We have these issues. We have depression. We have anxiety. We have all those things. And Paul says literally put his truth in between your mind and your heart and those worries. And guess what? We are so near sight. What are we going to see? First, God's truth and those things fade away. The command for us is to think, to consider, to be thoughtful, to be immersed. And Paul is calling the followers of Christ to be attentive, meditative, and purposeful on knowing God's word. And so to stand firm when it deals with what is right in reality, we know what God's word says on that, and we stick there. And we stand there. The last affirmation is stand firm in knowing Christ is with you. This is kind of echoing some of the things he's already said. But verse 9, the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. People who are dealing with mental health issues, they need to understand that God of peace will be with you. There's a lot there, and a lot more can be said. But I hope that this, at least, is a starting point for our, our body to grasp and understand and how to tackle these things instead of saying, you know what, I don't know how to pull you out of this. Listen, it's about being the body of Christ and coming alongside and walking every step of the way, knowing that the Word of God is sufficient and ultimately that Christ is sufficient for their needs. That takes time. Might even take years. I got one individual that, that I love so dearly, and we, we see seasons of growth and trusting in Christ, and then out of nowhere, it seems, at least from my perspective, wham, he gets hit by a bus, and we're deep down into worry again. And so we continue to lift up. And we spend the time and the hours in prayer and, and help him to drive home principles. And he gets going again. And then a year goes by. And then life happens again. And he comes and we pick it up. We don't turn our back on the fact that somebody is still trying to learn how to ride the bike, how to get through life, how to, how to, how to get their flesh and their mind. And, their, and, and it's one of those things where we continue to love on them and we continue to encourage them and continue Strengthen them. Beloved, may we 
love each other and remind ourselves of these truths, these affirmations that help guide us in how to live righteously, how to get us out of the funk, how to carry others through it, and how to have the Lord receive all the glory, honor, and praise. Amen. Father, again, we thank you for the morning, for the joy it is to come to your word, to know that it is sufficient. We know that. We believe that. But also to see it practiced out, lived out. A very practical passage that get our minds steadfast on what is right and what is true. So, Father, may you stir our hearts towards dwelling on the things which are good, holy, pure, lovely, and good. Those things which are righteous, those things that will stand the test of time, for they are eternal truths. Father, for the one who is struggling, may thee understand that there is hope, that there is grace and peace and mercy and compassion in Christ. Father, may you draw them to your word. May you put people in their lives so as to carry the burden. May they cast their worry aside. And through prayer, may they find their rest in Christ. Give them hope and give them your peace. We pray these things, asking that you will receive all the glory, honor, and praise. We pray in Jesus Christ's name, because he is our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, our King, and our God. Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Why don't you stand and we'll close in song. Thank you for listening to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible.